people loved the Archon interlude because the ending is an absolute banger. I was like yelling at the end. It was great. But we don't think it's really deserved to say the entire quest is great. They kind of trip going up the stairs to that ending. Yeah, yeah, because a lot of it is learning about Shen He's backstory, and it's really, you know, important and relevant to the ending of the quest, but the way that it's delivered is going to a lot of locations, having a bunch of characters talk, have zoom-ins on faces, have pre-can poses, and then occasionally seeing, like, one of the playable characters hanging out in the background, going out to talk to them, and then having them talk about some massive disaster that's taking mm-hmm. place <laughs> off screen. And this ties back to the last bullet point, which is, you know, that this game is on a six-week turnover. They had yeah. to, you know, get that part of it together. They had the cutscene for the ending rendered weeks, maybe months beforehand, but they needed yeah, to try it together, shit. you know? And yeah. The, so yeah, the breadcrumbs were not there. It was really very, worse. very missable to, like, you know... Like, Xiao, like, sure, he's, like, right there. But, like, otherwise, they don't... I, I, I could see what they were going for, which is to, like, have you doing this stuff and having this building tension. It did not build. Uh, it, it, just, it just really wasn't executed well. I feel well. like... Yeah, I feel like it could have been an easy switch on that, too. Like, it, every time you turn in materials to the secretary, maybe she, like, lets something slip that, like, something's up and something's coming. Because, if yeah, again, if you did not talk to those background characters, you would have no idea what was coming. Obviously, we knew that this was going to happen because we watched the version preview trailer. We saw the Jade Chamber flying out over to Beist, and it was just, like... Those dots were not connected. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we said as much while playing, but, like, there were kind of two competing storylines. Yeah. Um, one kind of capping off the rest of the Archon quest and really passing the torch truly to the uh, Qixing, which, um, like, like, they kind of started off um, doing already at the end of the Archon quest. Yeah, because that was the whole point of Osail and stuff. Like, that was the trial. That was like, okay, can you do this? Rex Lapis is going to come back and step in if you can't deal with this shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, But there was that kind of like a capping off of that. And there was also really like introducing Shen He and having her return to the city and really giving her the stage to develop. And as a result of those two competing storylines, it's like uh, Shen He is the new character and she kind that's of a, has the big cut scene. So all of these... That's a good point. That's a good angle. It's like, it could have been like, she missed this modernization. She was not there. She was out with the Adepti. And then she comes back in, and then maybe it's less about just her, like, uh, humans, but more like, wow, this is different than the way my master told me things used to be, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, they it begins to dovetail at the end in that you really do have that overlap a little bit, but um, it it definitely could have been executed a little bit better if they had maybe a little bit more time. Like, it was really just her character quest, and I, you know, it's a complete possibility that it's like they put in the money for this opera singer and this incredible thing. It's like, okay, we can't bury this behind an optional quest at all. We need to get it out there and put it in the main quest. Yeah, it seemed like something that... I mean, when you as soon as you're hiring, you know, two voice actors for one character and one of them happens to be, like, you know, a nationally renowned opera singer, that's, yeah. like, 
yeah, that that's that's your budget right there, and and that's the budget that you know shouldn't be eaten by the usual foibles of a six week turnover. That stays in the game forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Even yeah, though, ironically that's... enough, it felt more like an event quest than some other event quests. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because long term, long term, you know, you can play that right after you finish the Leeway Archon quest, and it's it's like to you know to all of us who played like you know the Leeway Archon quest a year and a half ago, that's nothing. But you know, here it's like you know someone new to the game goes in, beats the Archon quest, fights a giant Hydra, does this other Archon quest, fights a giant Hydra again, <laughs> where the same things yeah. basically happen. Yeah, and who knows, maybe the threads that we missed are easier to pick up for someone who's playing it consecutively. Yeah. I don't I don't see how, but it's a possibility. Yeah. So I mean yeah th- that yeah, I don't see how it would either, because it's it's not necessarily about like the threads like the threads just aren't there in the story unless you go out of your way to find them. And right. some of them are hard to find. Like, Xiao wasn't, and Chi-Chi wasn't, but I'm told that there was at least one other character that you could talk to that I just did not know about. Yeah. 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 It is a little clumsy, but I think it's, like, it's really a case of all is well that ends well. Like, mm-hmm. quest? Messy. Uh, overall vibe coming away from the entire thing? Great. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I, I was so happy at the end of that quest. Yeah. And their big gamble paid off, because Chinese opera is a hard sell to people mm-hmm. who aren't culturally familiar with it, but... I did not see anybody who didn't love that last part. I'm really stupid today. Look, we're, yeah, we're already talking about Genshin. The TikTok teens are gonna cancel us. We're already talking. We're already doing a Genshin podcast. We're all stupid today. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? A great way to to not have voice scheduling conflicts is to get a really good voice actress to voice three characters and that's that was the treat of this um of this a quest just like bang up voice acting really carrying what was kind of a eh, visual experience into something that was just like mm, this is a good audiobook yeah 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 like and the fact that like Makoto A and the Shogun have, like, such distinct personalities, too, to really have the cast show off. It's just, like, chef kiss. Mwah. So good. All the things that they started floating towards the end of the Archon quest and the first part of A's quest, as well as various, like, little story nuggets hidden throughout. It's like, it all came to a head sooner than I thought, because we had talked about it for the episode we did about the, uh, original Inazuma Archon quest, we talked about, like, yeah, in A's uh, story text, like, she is in this state of limbo where if her definition of eternity moves too far, the puppet's gonna fight her possibly to the death. And that's what happened. Very cool. The puppet fought her for 500 years. 500 goddamn years. Yep. And, you know, like, no. if the podcast is to be, like, you know, a, a snapshot of, you know, where we're currently at with the game, you know, I'd like to point out that, you know, we all knew about the robot thing, you know, months and months back. We all knew that, you know, the Raiden Shogun was an unchanging force of will and that if A ever, you know, needed to convince it that, you know, she had changed her mind, she would need to fight it. 
there was a lot of buildup to that. It, you know, uh, in the future in a vacuum might seem like that plot resolved itself relatively quickly, but, you know, playing the game in real time, you know, with like the release going, there was about seven months where we were just kind of like building to the conflict of, okay, what the heck's going to happen when A goes too far off the uh, path she set for the Raiden or the Raiden's, you know, programming kicks in and A needs to fight the Raiden. Yeah, and then they also delivered on it by saying that, you know, uh, A and the Raiden fought for 500 years in story. Granted, it was all off screen. It was all in about the span of, like, the time it took for a person to run upstairs in their house and then downstairs again. But, yeah. you know, we know that narratively A and the Raiden were indeed fighting for 500 years. That's a long time, you know. It's a long-ass time. Also, this game is made on a six-week turnover, and it shows. Uh, yes. Fight forever off screen. Fight forever off screen. And then Fight just, forever. We all had the feeling that when Yai comes out, that's the end of the Inazuma story. She is kind of like the last key part of the goings-on of this nation. We're basically ready to move on from Inazuma at the point where she comes out. Um, so, pacing, like, you know, right on the money. I cannot tell you how frustrating it was for people to go beyond, I think, fair criticisms of A's first character quest, because it seemed like it didn't occur to people that there would be a part two, even though Zhongli got two. Yeah, it it seems like the main goal was um, A's last character quest came on the heels of you actually getting to know her as a person, having just had her as like a major antagonist for an arc. So it's it was kind of needed because for the next part of the quest to play out, you know, Traveler and A actually needed to be friends. The Archon quest was the conflict of Inazuma. You fought Raiden. Um, there was the whole thing with the war. There was the Fatui. It was a lot to take in. So doing a quest immediately after where it's focusing on A and then getting to know A as a person were, in fact, the exact seeds they needed to lay down to make this quest actually, you know, make sense and land. Especially because this was, you know, from the player's perspective, you know, round two against the, you know, Shogun. And this time she actually has a boss transformation. And this is, in fact, the version of the boss we're going to be fighting forever because she drops talent mats. So we're going to need to do this every Monday for the next, you know, trillion years. And for all you people who wanted that Raiden May uh, drip, the Honkai uh, Mekumusume with the big arms, there she is. Yeah, I was uh, an idiot. This is exactly what I wanted from the very beginning, but it turns out I didn't want this. But yeah, we ki- have it now. It's kind of goofy as all hell. I'm kind of glad it's a boss and not a skin. Yeah, uh, it's really yeah, stupid looking, but you know what? It's really cool as a boss. She has like yeah. Asura's Wrath going on. She's holding one of those uh, spiky things. Jura, yeah, what yeah, are they yeah. called? Where you looking for? Vajra. Yeah, yeah, she has a Vajra. Yeah, pretty but, standard iconography for like, oh, is it like a war god type? Yeah, yeah, a kind of Buddhist Shinto god. Yeah, I think it's like more Buddhist. Than it's Buddhist. Oh, oh definitely. But yeah. I mean, there's some synchronism going on, so. Uh, yeah, so I think the way the way Zhongli's uh, second character quest introduced us to like a big, uh, like setting concept, which was erosion. This kind of introduces us to a space time. It's squishy. It's a little. It's a little malleable. Um, 
So one Turns of the out, things in essentially all of the new islands they've been introducing for Inazuma is the idea that like ley lines kind of work in both directions, or while yes. they can create like echoes um, from the past to the future, they can also affect the past from the future. And this was yeah. kind of the biggest moment of that kind of popping off in story. And also about space-time being a, a more primordial substance than the rest of the things that make up the universe, which relates back to um, New Girl on the Block, the god Ishtaroth, the god of time. The interesting thing about time playing a bigger part is I, I didn't consider time as a central theme of the area, even when we were told that A was the Archon of Eternity. Like, that, that was just not a concept. But now that, like we've seen the end result of all of it, they really did do a good job of, like, setting it up and then paying it off later. Yeah, and it's crazy that it's like, oh, the the conceit is that eternity is the closest to the heavenly principles. Turns out that was right, because eternity, they took it to mean, like, it kind of existing outside of space-time, and even beyond the reach of the Celestia, like, paradigm. That's what I took to mean when Makoto said, like, now the tree is free of the heavenly principles. It means, like, it's always been there. It's not part of any time or space dictated by Celestia, who, as we all know, are weird invaders that messed up this world. Yeah, it was and, a very interesting, like, alternative approach to Eternity, because just seeing the contrast between, you know, uh, A and Makoto, like, they took the core concept of eternity and ran with it in totally different directions and this was a good sort of crystallization of not only the themes of their individual plot but you know tying it back to the themes of what you know it looks like the rest of the game is going to be involved with whole plunging through chaos to get to like the little battleground where a and the shogun were duking it out it was sort of accompanied by that comment that yaya made about like you need to focus really hard on what you want to get there or you're gonna you're gonna get just get torn up <gasps> oh yeah and she said like that's why it's easier to do it if you put your consciousness in an object so like a's mind palace isn't that metaphysical it like exists in a bubble somewhere in the universe that she's just going to I think. I think. The f yeah, that, that one's a little bit harder to tell, but given yeah. that, it's, given that like the game is geared around Gnosticism and like world creation or pocket worlds on some level, it, it could be that the ability to like create your own pocket dimension while uncommon isn't exactly something that's out of the normal for like the setting. Yeah, I was su surprised that Makoto had her own. Um, and that oh, might be something we see other characters have later. Is this like realm of consciousness? She like put her, like put the remnants of her mind into the sword that A has been carrying around, didn't she? Yeah. So what happens is like she's dying and she's already comatose in the world, and then A speaks to her on her plane of consciousness, and that's oh, where they like say goodbye. That's... Yeah. And, and also like, I thought when. When A is like, oh yeah, and then I like, I saved the last, like, I saved her mind realm and I put it in Inazuma. I thought that was going to be a big no-no. I don't know, like, the idea of, like, preventing Makoto's, like, natural passing on for a god of transience. Like, I thought it was, like, unnaturally extending her life and we were going to fight some full metal alchemist level like messed up thing that she had become yeah i, I was thinking oh, that no. maybe just a little bit thanks to the uh what was the name of the 
the Slamurai, the, the real name besides what I just called it. Um, no, Wait, which um, Slamurai? There's, there's a couple now. The, the Magu Kenki. The, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. The what now? The Magu what? Oh, the Magu Kenki. Okay. The Magu Kenki's whole backstory, as we found out, was that it was at one point a person... And I was thinking that that was maybe foreshadowing that uh, the Raiden Shogun was actually like a Makoto corpse puppet yeah. almost. Uh, turns out it wasn't that, thankfully, but I was I really convinced it. that, you know, maybe, you know, before we played the quest that that was going to happen. It didn't end up being that, but I think we'd like to see some more fucked up shit and catch shit like that. <laughs> Let's talk about let's talk about Scapula Gate and CC Koyo versus spineless. Maybe not spineless. Maybe it's shoulder bladeless. It's it's so fucked up that Ningguang gets her house back and then loses two of her bones. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, actually, so, I, I might need a little bit more of a reminder on how this works at this point, because this yeah. kind of felt like in the grand scheme of Genshin controversies, like another sort of, uh, you know, pebble it's, in the pond there. It's a it's a pebble, but it relates to something that reared its head a lot more in these recent days, which is Genshin is made by a Chinese company. Government censorship has always been a factor. With, with that in mind... We did see four characters' uh, outfits being censored in the past couple uh, weeks. And this, that, is, that... this was actually like censored, censored. This was yeah. like not a you know company is... deciding internally that they wanted to like you know change you know a part of a character's image. It was literally yeah. being told by an external force you know adjacent to the okay, government or... to modify yeah. the characters. Yeah, but like on the other hand, I'm just like I. I've seen people complain about censorship in video games, which usually involves like some female character getting maybe like two pixels more more clothes or whatever, and oh, yeah. like the the and like people screaming about oh censorship, oh they're coming for our games, and I'm just like that is like the biggest non-issue I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, why are you angry about this? It's yeah, there's a big difference between so, the like, state state mandated censorship and you know. Uh, Fire Emblem. We don't. We don't have to get in on it. It has been interesting to see that happen because, like, obviously these characters were created with the full approval of the government. They would not have been launched otherwise. So what follows loops back into. I think we talked about this in a previous episode. Is this kind of constant corporate sabotage that happens between competing game um, companies? And government crackdowns can be uh, weaponized, let's say. The inciting incident here seemed to be that a group was riled up, probably externally, to create an outcry on social media about the female character designs. And the government felt compelled to act on it because it was too much of a stink. And also because it was the, towards the end of the year and they needed to look busy. <laughs> yeah, 1,000%. Like, what do bureaucracies like? They like virtue signaling and they like looking busy. And that's what happened this time. Yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. They, got, they, they got a fire lit under them. So they're like, okay, we need to mm -hmm. light a fire under these guys. And look they couldn't not do something. 
So it seems like it's going to be more of a reactive relationship if the government moves to do anything against against uh, Genshin or or the company. It's going to be interesting. We've never seen a game this big globally that's under that kind of scrutiny. And it is interesting to see the ways that Hoyoverse has tried to kind of resist this in the ways that they can. Because, like, um, initially, didn't they say that, like, the uh, the outfits were going to be the new, like, permanent skins for those four characters in the Chinese version? But then in the other versions, they're just, like, alternate skins you can switch to? Yeah. Yes. That's how they the- they were able to frame it abroad as these are new skins. Sometimes companies will do a workaround where like they have a global release that differs from the domestic Chinese release. That's kind of the case right now, just because we at the global audience have the option to switch out the the pre censor and post censorship outfits. But that's kind of a special case because. That is something that was taken out of the game rather than something that only the global audience got. And we will probably never see a design that wouldn't go over in China released exclusively to global audiences. Because the last time MiHoYo tried to do that, which was last spring, uh, someone came to their office and tried to kill them. So they were gracious to let us pick between the censorship things, but we are never going to have that again. We are all going to get the Chinese product. Yeah. And frankly, like those skins look better. <laughs> they do. We're yeah. Honestly, like, I'm so glad I don't have to see every. I don't have to see every inch of Jean's ass when she glides. Mm-hmm. Um, Rosaria has always had a really sloppy looking design. Like regardless of how revealing or not it is. And now she actually they, looks like a nun. She, yeah, she, she is. <laughs> like they did take the opportunity to do a better pass on these outfits. Yeah, all the colors look better. They kind of look sort of like, you know... Yeah. More appropriate to, like, the current version of the game versus, like, you know... It it looks... It just generally looks more in line with the current character design because, you know, it has shifted a little bit since early Mondstadt and a lot of the characters who were affected were early Mondstadt with the exception of Rosaria. They picked good. Like, there are still very sexy characters that show a lot of skin it like they didn't touch lisa they didn't touch ningguang and i think that's fine because the characters they did change it feels more like these are things that these characters would wear so so that's how just just so we just so we're clear we know scapula gate was is a non-controversy it it was probably because you know some of the things they did was censor out like some lace cutouts and some sheer parts of the underwear uh, one of the things that they altered was Ningguang's uh, new lantern right skin. Uh, so it, that was most likely like somebody got a little overzealous with the fill tool and accidentally wiped out her bones. <laughs> um, but it goes to show that Genshin's in this really interesting space because like obviously they are like any other company under the hard hitting scrutiny of the CCP, but they are also their hottest cultural expert right now. There, there is a good chance that as a cash cow, a tax paying cash cow, and also a cultural liaison, Genshin might get a little more leeway. I mean, a uh, leeway <laughs> from the government, but it's going to be a line that they are always going to toe. Um, it'll be really interesting to see from here on out.
Alright, so, one last point is that they have rebranded to Hoyoverse and are expanding worldwide. They are opening offices basically everywhere. Um, wow. They had previously rebranded as Cognosphere, and that was actually a pretty conventional move. This is something that a lot of Chinese uh, gaming companies do because banks don't like it when you have charges going out to China. Yeah. It is fairly conventional for, like, developers to have a shell company in like singapore that handles the financials oh that explains why my credit card kept stopped dinging me after a point yeah Mm -hmm. you literally said it cleared up like after they rebranded to cognosphere that's interesting but now they're hoyoverse and this is them attempting to expand beyond games and we don't really know what that's going to look like but we do have some clues So, the press release says, Our mission in establishing Hoyoverse is to create a vast and content-driven virtual world that integrates games, anime, and other diverse types of entertainment, which will provide players with a high level of freedom and immersion. We will continue to focus on long-term operation strategies, consistent technical research, and innovation in a variety of fields, including AI, cloud computing, and pipeline construction, to ensure that sufficient content is created to meet the expectations of players worldwide for a virtual world experience. According to one of the recent job listings since this global push, they say, our vision is to create a virtual world for 1 billion people by 2030. There's not enough to really say what this means. All we can really go on is what other stuff they develop. Uh, We know that they are huge into pushing uh, high-performance, highly scalable, really good-looking anime-style graphics. This is something they've been doing with the Unity engine for years. This is a topic they literally wrote a research article on. You see it in things like the goofy Genshin anniversary message with, like, uh, Barbara and and Amber. Kind of cringe, that technology is insane. Those are like full mocap suits. Um, I don't know what their pipeline is, but that's like like nothing clips. The hair physics are impeccable. They even interact with their hair. It is insane to think about how they must have made this. Yeah, because like being somehow detecting the hair on the rig in real time, or at least like post yeah. processing it in such a way where, you know... Moving the hair would be, you know, factored into, like, the mocap. Yeah, and this this kind of, like, real-time simulation seems to be something that they are really, really focused on. They have all kinds of, like, uh, technical lectures at, like, game developers' summits, like GDC, like this Unity Summit in uh, Tokyo. But it'd be interesting to see if they had anything coming up for uh, the GDC that's going to be, you know, in a couple of weeks. I would love to see it. I I was just watching the one that they put up last year, and it's it's super interesting. Also interesting that they are not telling you how they did it, just showing you that they did it, which means they are either counting on licensing this tech out or making that the pull for their entire like transmedia virtual world, whatever that ends up being. They do have that like desktop app thing, and also their like their virtual character thing that they have li- listed among the stuff that they put out <laughs> yeah like the and, desktop borok yeah and like holy shit 
part of, I'm pretty sure, like, them trying to, like, really nail the hair physics thing. Yeah, if you look at, like, where they are putting their time and their energy and their tech and their focus, it is making anime real. That's insane. In the GDC talk, he, the guy even said, like, our ultimate goal is to make the Honkai universe. You can think of this kind of like the metaverse. So I snooped around in some of their job listings to see if we could tell, like, what shape this might take. There are a lot of jobs in Singapore for... Basically, it looks like they're going to do a proprietary payment system. They they had a lot of job uh, listings for, like, financial security, fintech, and experience with platforms like Stripe. And so if they want to do this, like, cross-media huge online presence, it makes sense that they would have their own payment system... And one of the, like, I don't want to put too many ideas in your head, but my idea was that, like, one of the things they talked about was, like, people with experience against money laundering. And to me, that implies a system where you can take money out of your account. Oh, no. And I cannot believe that my second life experience might be relevant to this. <laughs> I, I, there's, that's a lot to take in. Everything you just said, like... Because, like, I've... one, uh, the Second Life thing, uh, monstrous. Second, the notion, are we going to, like, smash cut to, like, two years from now and have, like, Barbara come out on screen during a press release and basically talk about how, like, yes. the Sony Hoyoverse lawsuit is going and how Hoyoverse really needs our support? <laughs> it's like, okay, if this is a repeat at all of, like, the Epic Apple lawsuit because, like, they don't want to go through Sony's, you know, payment, <laughs> that's, you know... Oh, Barbara comes out and it's like, <laughs> Sony's really being <laughs> awful right now. Aloy is going to be Thanos snapped out of everyone's games. <laughs> oh no, everyone's favorite Genshin character, Aloy Genshin, is going to be taken out of the game. Homest? Um, I don't know. Boy, it's a good thing um, they have money because, like, there's a lot of things that could make this go south. <laughs> so, one thing that I was surprised I did not see in any of the job listings mentioned was VR. Um, I was actually shocked. I figured that with that character technology, that VR would be a huge push. And also because they are so familiar with Unity and like Unity's two biggest ticket products right now are Genshin Impact and VR Chat. And Unity seems to have found this niche of these like very anime centric, like 3D creations like japan is huge into vr chat so i was i was shocked to see that like their metaverse may not necessarily have a vr component in mind it might just be just this like ecosystem of different digital products games platforms that all kind of like mesh together somehow well it's possible that the short-term plan is to make something like blizzard's BattleNet, where it's like a connecting platform for all of their different games and just a singular model for payment processing communication all of that and then it could be that they use that like as a springboard into vr or something larger i think the next logical step would be a video platform like their equivalent of like Billy Billy or YouTube that just produces stuff related to their products. They're huge into tapping into content creators. Um, we 
we've seen a lot of that since Genshin hit the streets. So I think it makes a lot of sense for them to start hosting their own video stuff. I could see that. Uh, one tantalizing tidbit is the Montreal studio is explicitly working on a new game. According to the job listings, it's an Unreal game, which is interesting considering oh. they've been flying with Unity for so long. Huh. And it includes vehicular gameplay. Racing slash vehicular combat slash modifying vehicle style gameplay. Oh my god, wow. Twisted Metal Genshin. <laughs> yeah, so they're kind of trying to like grow their stable of genres, it looks like. And next might be Cars. Look forward to it. I actually am. That sounds cool. It does sound cool. I hope it's, it's like... Gotcha. I really hope it's not a gotcha. It's going to be a gotcha. It's probably going to be a gotcha. God damn it. Um, who knows what the future holds? Go get them Hoyoverse. I would say don't be evil, but you make kids gamble, so... <laughs> yeah, we're well past that point. <laughs> and remember, don't be evil. Remember, yeah. everyone, this podcast's alignment is morally gray on principle. Yeah, we <laughs> we are not paid. We are not paid by them. We do not fully endorse them. We do appreciate their work, but we also see kind of the the seedy part of it. But the point is, these this game and the people who make it are doing things that we have literally never seen before, and we want to chronicle that. That's the whole point of this, and that's why we reconvene at this shade chamber to shoot the shit and take a look at this probably the worst game I've ever loved. <laughs> but now that's a tagline. <laughs> <laughs> and talk about uh, waifus and husbandos.